everyone, and welcome to another episode of the V Auto Podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson with V Auto, and today I'm joined by Greg Palmer, who's the Inventory and Marketing Director for the Ron Marahoffer Organization. Greg, good morning and welcome to you. Good morning, Lance. Thanks for having me. You bet. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. Now, perhaps as a place to start for today's uh, podcast, I know we want to talk about profit time and kind of how that's working uh, in your dealership and some of the maybe challenges and opportunities that relate to that. But as a place to start, if you might, Greg, give our listeners a sense of your role and responsibilities there at Marhofer and a little bit of your career background. What led you to your current position? Sure. So uh, I've been with the uh, Ron Marhofer Auto family for going on eight years. Uh, I came in as a buyer for one of our stores, a used car buyer, uh, without previous uh, background in the car business. So mm. previously, I actually worked uh, for a college textbook retailer. And there were a lot of parallels there as far as acquiring used book inventory, pricing mm -hmm. to the market, uh, buying, buying uh, used textbooks from consumers, reselling wow. them. Uh, we had wholesale inventory. We had retail inventory. So a lot of parallels able to draw there. So I came in, started buying cars for one of our five locations, then started buying for another location, then became in charge of our buying center. We have uh, centralized it where we buy inventory and okay. started taking on pricing for everyone and new car pricing, new car ordering, uh, marketing websites. How I guess I always describe it is I'm involved with about everything that has to do with selling a car except for actually selling a car. Interesting. I, one, one question. So what's a, what's an appraisal look like with a book? compared to the car business? <laughs> uh, well, it's it's more so just uh, whether it's something that's going to be used again or not in, a, in the next term. So if it's something that's going to be used again in the next term, that's retail inventory, like okay. a retail trade-in, versus it's not going to be used again, and then it's a wholesale piece at that point, and you're going to send it to a wholesaler, or maybe it just is disposed of and recycled. Okay, interesting. Well, well, let's shift gears here, Greg, and, and get into the meat of the matter for the podcast, and that is profit time. And I understand that you've had profit time at your dealership uh, for some time, um, but over the past couple of years, maybe the adoption of profit time and the investment value method of managing inventory hasn't been as solid as maybe you would have liked it. So. Tell me a little bit about why the adoption wasn't as universal, perhaps, as it, as it could have been when you guys first put profit time in place. Sure. So uh, as you mentioned, we've been on the profit time system since the beginning. And uh, in the beginning, I, I feel like we used it more as a let's look at it tool and maybe this will help us to make pricing decisions, but not a a, a full buy into it. As time went on, we'd start buying into it and 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 pricing and repricing based on the guidelines. Uh, unfortunately, whenever we see uh, any sort of a downturn in retail volume, the uh, discipline would start to go out out the window, 
and mm. start making more blanketed changes across and uh, not following the profit time principles, just trying to chase volume in a, a more undisciplined approach. So how, how would that manifest on a, a day-to-day basis? So perhaps you come in on a Monday, the weekend was a little softer than you mm-hmm. might like, and, and suddenly you're kind of across the board cutting prices to move yeah, that, in? I think that's a fair way to describe it. And, and maybe holding out a little bit on the Platinums, but maybe not really, or maybe looking at a Platinum saying, well, we could sell that this week and, and make three grand on it. Oh, that, I'll take that, but not really trying to fully realize the potential of uh, profit on each unit. And tell me a little bit about, I certainly understand, you know, cutting a price on a car where even with the price cut, you're looking at a $3,000 gross. Sure. What about those bronze cars maybe where that margin was a little uh, lean, much leaner probably? Oh, I think on the other side of the coin, to your point, it would be like, well, well, uh, let's hold on on this one for a little bit. And, and you know, maybe, maybe we can, we can get this out of it. And that, so meanwhile, you're really, you're reinverting your, your inventory and pretty soon you're, you're back to an in, inverted, uh, profit time screen. So it, to translate that into words that maybe Dale Pollock might use, you were being more proud of the cars for which you shouldn't have been the most proud of and sure. the least proud of the ones you should have been. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's okay. Fair. So I understand, we talked a little bit before the podcast uh, recording here, Greg, and, and you shared that, you know, as of this past August, August, 2021, you guys made a commitment to make the adoption stick and, and be a bit more universal. Um, what were the factors that led you to that conclusion and said, this is how we got to do it? Well, there's several factors. So obviously dealing with uh, the ability to acquire inventory being very, very difficult uh, from the auction or otherwise, just very high prices. And even if you want to pay them, just not even having any inventory. So we've been looking at the operation saying, we don't want to sacrifice on volume. So how are we going to continue and, and make it an acceptable margin? Um, so, and additionally, I'm involved in an NCM uh, velocity group with uh, mm-hmm. probably some of the listeners of this podcast. And in our meeting in August, uh, they, the group pointed out to me, we had of everyone in the group, the lowest adoption of profit time. And also some of uh, the lowest front end grosses, uh, compared to the rest of the group. And hmm. there were a lot of higher adopters in the group who were, you know, were making points to me. And I, I asked a lot of questions about what they were doing and how they're seeing it. And I could see they were seeing it through in a more, uh, long-term strategy. So when I came back from that and, you know, met with our, our leadership team here and discussed what we were seeing, we decided that this is time to go all in and, and, and uh, see it through. And now we're seeing the results. Okay. And, and if I may uh, just kind of jump back to that, that uh, 20 group meeting you referenced, Greg. So when we talk about adoption, I believe you're referring to like percentage of your cars that are aligned. Yes. What was that looking like back then um, overall? And I'm kind of curious, maybe yep. within the buckets too. Yeah. Uh, so, the overall at that meeting, I remember, was 14%. 
okay adoption <laughs> and the question was asked well why do you even have it and yeah uh, candidly I, I couldn't completely answer that but was it high i guess so pretty much that means there wasn't any category or bronze bronze silver correct. gold or platinum where you guys were okay okay yep, that's sticking correct. with the recommendations all yep. right so what did you do you mentioned that you're seeing the results um mm -hmm. How would you characterize the results? Tell me a little bit about maybe what is happening with gross profit and volume, which profit time is designed to optimize um, for your group since August, since you guys have really buckled down. Sure. So we we're up a few hundred dollars, probably three to four hundred dollars in uh, gross profit. We've seen our average days to sale on bronze come down. We've seen our uh overall volume still be up year over year uh between 15 and 20 percent depending on the month you know, we've had a couple months now here you know, of august and september mm -hmm. trending well here in october uh so so overall good results i mean uh, there's not I, I, honestly i can't give you a bad metric that's come from it uh, hmm. re reduced losses on the bronzes because let's face it the bronzes are negative front-end grosses for us yes uh, and uh higher profits on the on the platinum cars and even uh i mean a couple days more to sale on the platinums but not a significant change there it's just more holding on to that price and trusting the metrics and being being willing to ask the money and get the money mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when it was there so uh on the uh bronze vehicles what was the what's the then and now picture in terms of days to sale what's the improvement been there uh we were at 47 days to sale on our bronze at that time okay uh, as of this week we're down to 37 so 10 days that's pretty significant that is significant how and tell me a little bit greg about how you have um maybe set up your expectations you know for days to sale and, and perhaps how you regard the pricing recommendations across the, the precious metal categories in profit time. Sure. So uh, pricing strategy wise, I just kind of looked at each precious metal and set a pricing range for each one. So, for example, on the platinum vehicles said we're going to price these at 100 percent to 102 percent on day one these are, these are loose guidelines right but i gotta yep. have something so 100 yep. to 102 and we're gonna hold close to that price for 45 days once the vehicle hits over 45 days then we're gonna enter an exit strategy of you know a, a significant reduction on the vehicle if it's not sold and then roughly a one percent reduction from there and then gold go down 98 to 100 percent with a 35-day exit strategy mm -hmm. silver 96 to 98 with okay. a 30-day exit strategy and then bronze going to be about 94 to 96 day one and exit strategy is really day one so i force myself now to look at every bronze vehicle that is out of alignment showing too low every single day and have to justify every single day why I'm out of alignment based on the uh, pricing recommendations. 
What's an example of one of those cars, Greg, where where you may say, okay, I know this is telling me to drop it, but but I'm not going to do that today. Sure. So say like a, uh, a Silverado LT uh, crew cab with midnight edition package. Okay. So I don't really have a way to capture that the value of that package. Mm -hmm. So it may say I'm out of alignment on it, but I know that that's a vehicle that sells well and that will sell above the bronze pricing uh, um, recommendation. So you just know that that car's got something special that that merits that. Sure. Hanging we a little. Tend to run a little different strategy on the uh, uh, certified pre-owned units that we sell as well. A little higher, even sure. if they're bronze. Um, I'm curious. You mentioned. Um, the exit strategy that might uh, and let's maybe focus for a moment on the platinum cars for a moment the at 45 days that's a trigger point yep and there's a price reduction at that point five six percent something somewhere like in that. that range yes okay yes. okay yeah, that's right around there and then and then follow it each week with typically around a one percent reduction so i want to i want to look at two things there for, from day one to day 45 on those platinum cars, is it at a specific price and stays there? Or how do you evaluate what's going on with that vehicle in that first 45-day window? So in that first 45-day window, I'll stay roughly in that uh, pricing range, but I will vary from it if the VDPs uh, don't support it. Mm -hmm. Leads don't support it. Uh, additionally, if there's a change in the market, so if the the vehicle is is 102 percent and there's been depreciation in the market, which we haven't been seeing as much of recently, but in a typical market, then we would reduce as such. So I'm not going to hold my initial price for 45 days. I'm going to still follow the market on it, and I'm still going to follow my my other metrics that I'm looking at. Do you find, Greg, that the profit time uh, recommendations are even um, tracking the market where you might get nudged a little bit that to, to move the price just because the system kind of knows something about the market? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So funny enough, I found uh, this strategy to pair up very well with hmm. the uh, with the profit time pricing recommendations. So um they because as as a car ages now as they've come out with 2.0 i feel like it's there's a lot more to the recommendations now mm -hmm. something we struggled with previously was well as the car gets older it just keeps recommending you to price it here well now i feel like it really lines up uh with the with as a car ages and your experience with it so and let me play that back yeah it sounds to me like so so you when you came up with those price to market percentages, mm -hmm. that was really your best judgment that you, yes. you overlaid that. But what you're seeing is that the recommendations are actually falling essentially into the range you thought. They very, should. Yeah, very close, very high adoption rate based on our, our strategy lining up with the profit time ones. So that's um, now I understand because you're the guy that mm -hmm. that that handles the pricing. Um, those decisions are, are yours, you know, yes. that's, that's your job, but tell me a little bit about what feedback or pushback you've had from the stores 
as you guys laid down the, the approach in August and said, we're going to, we're going to roll with this. Sure. So we, uh, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I do all of the pricing and repricing for all of our vehicles across the organization. So I originally we had team leaders, sales managers price their uh, trade-ins and I wouldn't reprice them for the first 15 days. Okay. So we, that's something that we, we stopped doing more so to find opportunity in the gold and platinum units. Cause I think we're all programmed to say, if we take in a car and we sell it quickly and we make whatever your number is, you know, everyone's different. Let's say it's three grand, then that's a win, right? So by doing that and be able to look at them more from an investment strategy and more of a maximization strategy, then, uh, we were able to raise profits on these. So some of the pushback was some people wanted to uh, sell, you know, sell, sell the vehicle quickly, make money on it. And then on the flip side, say on the bronze, well, we had to pay up for that one. You know, let's, let's, let's wait a little bit and try to try to make some money on it, which sure all, all understandable all things we want to do, but when you follow the metrics and you, 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 you follow what it's telling you, uh, you, you end up with a better result. So it's been some conversations in regards to, cause it's, it can be opposite thinking of, of what, uh, traditionally you've had, you get a car, you spin it quick, you make a good gross profit on it. You're happy. You, you pay up for a car. You're like, well, maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe we'll hold the price a little higher and get lucky and sell it. It's just, uh, over time and over tens, hundreds, thousands of transactions that just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in some ways, you kind of flipped where the sense of urgency needs to be yes. uh, on the, the, the branch. So was that was that difficult to unwind that thinking that the uh, we paid up for this car and we and, and I guess given the way the current market is, you kind of have to almost price it right out of the gate at a yeah. loss. How, yeah. how did that pill go down? Well, here, I, I feel like I've got a, a, a lot of trust with with our team and I, i've been handling the pricing and repricing for several years so i'd say overall very well it's just more having conversations and uh go you know back and forth and, and explaining and, and and getting by in and answering questions about it and seeing it through I, I, I would also imagine that some of those uh, richer grosses on the gold and platinums kind of help ease <laughs> the pain. Sure, <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, so uh, this is maybe not a fair question to ask, Greg, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, I, you, you made the commitment to, to stick with profit time, to have mm -hmm. high adoption as of August, but we all know that the market was rocking, you know, before then, you know, mm -hmm. from maybe call it April all the way through the summer with it, with a couple of, you know, bumps and, and, and such. But if you had had that adoption that you have today back then, what do you think things would look like on the department financials for, for used cars for you guys? Well, I, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I'll say, we would be in a better position now had we 
followed this discipline back then because uh and i'll say more specifically with the bronze um, i would say if we would have followed some of the bronze recommendations closer back then we wouldn't have experienced some of the uh, losses that we did in some of the downturns specifically on uh large pickup trucks and, mm -hmm. you know i'll call expensive over $35,000 pickup truck, $40,000 pickup truck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate, I appreciate you taking the, taking the question. It's not necessarily a fair one to ask. Um, and we spent a fair amount of time talking about um, how profit time helps you on the pricing side, mm -hmm. but how might it assist you and your team on the acquisition side? And I presume you you're like every other dealer mm -hmm. that you're not just looking at auctions anymore. It's, well, yeah. it's buy anywhere so anywhere anywhere we can <laughs> how does profit time come into the picture there so our appraisers are all looking at it uh they're they're looking at that uh they're looking at that number and that score as they're acquiring inventory and they understand what our pricing and exit strategy is going to be on that vehicle mm -hmm. so it's really it's it's allowed everyone to have an understanding of how we're going to exit a vehicle and understand, okay, well, I, 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 I took in some platinums, maybe I'm taking in some, some bronzes and the whole thing averages out and it works and it allows us to keep doing volume because we can't continue to take in or acquire platinum vehicles and not make the margin that we should be making on it. And then take in bronze vehicles and have a low margin on those because at the end of the day, it just, that just doesn't work. Have you, now, one thing I've heard in talking to dealers with um, with profit time is there's some, and this is really more as it relates to customer purchases, whether it's trade or off the street, yeah. but they really want to see the gold or platinum box show up or, you know, metal show up as they're, as they're trying to figure out what to offer the customer mm -hmm. for the car. So uh, how do you manage the understanding that the car is the car the score is the score mm -hmm. i assume that's how you guys think yeah yeah it is yes so how do you how do you get folks to resist that temptation to you know make it a better precious metal and sort of engineer the outcome well that's that's a good question so i guess how i'd answer that is if we if we can goal number one is get the car right so no matter what get the car if you can get it in a way that it's a, it's a gold or a platinum, or in some cases, even a silver, that's even better. Mm -hmm. But it it is what it is at the end of the day, anything we're gonna acquire from a customer as a trade-in is, is gonna be better than what we can get from the auction right now. So it's just having an understanding of what you're doing up front and what the exit strategy is gonna be up front rather than being surprised by it later. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we, we want them all. We want everyone we can get. And, and it sounds like they're empowered to do what it takes to get them. Uh, yeah. even, even if it means, you know, what might have been a gold car becomes a, a silver or bronze because that's what was needed to right. get the car. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Great. Great. Um, I, a final question, Greg, we're, we're talking here toward the tail end of October. 
Mm -hmm. um, which means that we're all, at least to some degree, I, well, this morning there was a catalog that came in the mail for Christmas toys and my kids were like all stoked about it. Oh, yeah. so, so we're, you know, we're all kind of looking ahead toward the end of the year. What would you list as you look to close out 2021 as the top two or three things on your priority list to, to end, to finish the year as strong as you can? Sure. So number one is definitely going to be used car inventory acquisition. Mm -hmm. How, how are we going to do that? What channels are we going to use? Uh, what are the opportunities out there to buy from private owners? Are we going, which by the way, we are already going to people and buying cars mm -hmm. sometimes an hour away from us taking them a, a, a check and, you know, collecting a title and collecting a vehicle after working a deal over the phone through text with, uh, with photos of a vehicle. And so that number one is use, use car inventory acquisition. How's that going to look? How are we going to acquire as many vehicles as possible to hit our sales goals, uh, for the rest of this year and going into 2022. Before we, I'm, I need to yeah. interrupt you there, Greg, yeah, and I'm ahead. sorry for doing that. Um, so if I understood you're putting a number on a car based on photos, not mm -hmm. necessarily seeing it in in person and hearing yeah. it and running it. That's correct. If, if, if that's what we have to do. So obviously our first, what we would prefer is to have the customer come in and yeah. be able to put our hands on it, touch it, feel it, smell it, drive it. But yeah. if, if that's a barrier to overcome, uh, we will overcome that by by doing it that way. I mean, we, we've been buying cars from auctions for years using condition reports and photos. So it's it's really no different. So we are able to do that. How, did, as a corollary to that, are you finding that um, you're getting surprises when those cars, when you do acquire those cars and they move into the shop? Some, but surprisingly, not as many as I would have thought. I would say we get more surprises from auction cars that we buy <laughs> condition reports than we do from customer cars, okay. believe it or not. Okay. Okay. Uh, I apologize for sidetracking you. Yeah. Uh, what was gold priority two? Well, priority two is going to be to continue pushing our used car volume. So we're looking at doing about 9,000 uh, used, used vehicles this year between our five locations. Uh, looking forward to 2022, we want to be doing 10,000 next year. We did 8,000 in uh, 2020. Oh, wow. So looking at next year, wanting to do 10,000. So what's that going to, what's that going to look like? How are we going to acquire the inventory to do it? That's for us. That's almost always the biggest piece is how do we acquire and have enough inventory to do it? And then number three is going to be just to continue on this road of discipline to, uh, make money on the, on every car where we can and where we can't to quickly exit those vehicles and and move on to the next one. How did I, I got? Let me go back to your your uh, forecast there for next year. Essentially, a ten percent you know growth in volume. Mm -hmm. um, it seems to me that there's a little bit of a yellow flag out there possibly with you know if new car supply doesn't seem like it might be that big of an issue but perhaps mm -hmm. it will be how did you guys arrive at that number and how are you guys thinking about what that might look like if new car comes back uh well here we can't control 
new cars coming in. We can't control new car production. We can't control chip shortages. So we've just looked at what can we control in our business? Well, mm -hmm. what we can control is our used car uh, business because that's that's up to us to go acquire that inventory, market that inventory, and sell that inventory. Mm -hmm. So we look at our, the new cars as, you know, we're, we're going to forecast based on what we think, but the we, we can only control so much. The used car side of it gives us the ability to control our business and make a strategy to acquire inventory and and go out and get it and, and make it happen. Okay. Well, all the best to you, Greg, and your team as you guys look to close this year and, and head into 20, 2022. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your insights with us this morning. Yeah, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. You bet. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for joining this episode of the V-Auto Podcast. Until next time, stay well. Stay well.